Good afternoon. Good day, everyone. James Hicks here from Hicks New Media. Welcome to the latest edition of Perspectives and Focus, where we focus on the people, the industries, and the technology that are making positive strides within society today. My guest today is Heather McLeod. Heather is the founder and CEO of the Ashraf Foundation, which is a nonprofit organization that provides scholarships and support to women pursuing higher education around the world. She started the foundation to, to advocate for women who, for whatever reason, started and didn't finish or haven't been afforded equal opportunity to education. Part of the foundation's mission statement speaks to that belief that post-secondary education provides women with the tools and resources to create change within their communities and advance gender and social equality. With that, ladies and gentlemen, welcome, Heather McLeod. Heather, how are you doing today? It's a pleasure to be here with you, James. Thank you. Happy very Friday. It is Friday. It is Friday, and we will celebrate. Well, we're always celebrating, but we will we will get a little bit more in, in, into that in a couple of hours. Uh, mm-hmm. I'd say what, before we get started in kind of the line of questioning, I'd, I'd like to have you dive a little bit deeper into who you are and what mm-hmm. the foundation is and kind of talk a little bit about the, the origin story as well, because I think when we were talking about it a few weeks ago, that really resonated mm-hmm. with me, and I think that definitely that story needs to be shared. Oh, well, it all started a long, long time ago um, in 2016. Um, In 2016, uh, you may recall, there were stories all over the news about the Syrian refugee crisis and um, just the tragedy that was unfolding there and the um, choices that people had to make in fleeing their homes and their communities and their cities. And in those stories, Uh, two emerging trends kind of stood out to me and some of my colleagues at the time. Um, One was that those fleeing the Syrian refugee crisis were having tremendous difficulties accessing higher education, um, which historically in terms of discourses about refugees' access to higher education has not really been a part of those stories. Um, the issues have been much more focused on literacy and access to basic um, primary school, for example. Um, But in this case, access to colleges and universities was actually becoming a very big deal and a very big problem for um, the Syrians who were having been forced from their homes. And then alongside that, we started hearing about um, women who suddenly found themselves becoming the heads of their households. For whatever reason, uh, they had been forced to flee and uh, their male providers, their husbands, their fathers, their brothers had either been sent somewhere else or been killed. Um, But regardless, these women found themselves suddenly needing to provide financially for their families for the first time without the experience or credentials to get appropriate employment to do that. And so as we learned more about the situation, uh, we learned several things. Um, The first is that these trends we were observing were actually global trends um, across the world. Uh, Women were increasingly finding themselves becoming heads of their households, meaning that they had a a sole financial responsibility for their family. Um, Sometimes that's their children, sometimes it's their extended family as well. Um, But regardless, they were being put into these situations without the experience or credentials to get the types of employment they needed. 
Um, and the second trend was that around the world, as education levels have been increasing, which is wonderful, um, that also means, though, that access to higher levels of education is becoming increasingly important in order to survive in uh, this new world we're in. And so these people fleeing the Syrian conflict were not the only ones struggling to access higher education. Um, it, it's a global phenomenon. We see it here in the United States. Um, and, but it's, as you can imagine, much harder other places in the world where there is ongoing conflict or um, less developed, uh, less robust economies, for example. Right. So as we realized, these two trends were um, global and they actually, of course, intersected that there are these women needing access to higher ed uh, to get jobs, to support their families that they were suddenly in charge of. Um, nobody was doing anything about it. Um, this was 2016 and the United Nations had um, published its uh, new global goals, the Sustainable Development Goals um, in 2015. The first report came out at the end of 2016 and these women were nowhere in there. Um, there was a lot of great data about like, access for kids to you know, primary school, which is very important. Um, a lot of information, a lot of reporting, a lot of funds given to girls accessing, again, primary, secondary education. Um, but women, those with children, those with family responsibilities, uh, financial responsibilities were nowhere in there. If they had um, the traditional, traditional age, I'm putting that in quotes, uh, for access to higher education is 24. If you are 24 years old or above, you are considered non-traditional and um, around the world globally, you disappear in terms of the data that's collected and reported. Uh, okay. Because at that point, the assumption is made that um, you're an adult. It's now the focus is on your children, get your children uh, access to school, which is important. But the thing is that the more access to education a woman has, the easier it will be for her own children to access education. So if you're worried about kids um, getting access to education, you need to start with your mothers first. And wow, uh, so that. no one was reporting on this. No one was thought it was worth even collecting data on. Obviously, there is no funding or support available. Uh, there's a lot of scholarships out there, a lot of funding out there for high achieving young people and girls, which is amazing. Um, but again, once a woman ages out of the traditional higher education age mm. uh, range, she just suddenly becomes um, unattractive to um, those who would usually provide funding and support. Um, so once we realized that these trends were global and intersecting and that nobody was doing anything about it um, as a woman over the age of 24 who had access to higher education, uh, myself and my colleagues decided that somebody needed to do something about that. And um, we realized we couldn't solve this global issue overnight, uh, but we knew we could do something small, maybe symbolic, and we decided to see if we could offer a scholarship. Um, so we created the Asherah Foundation as the entity uh, to provide that scholarship through. And we uh, reached across to our colleagues in higher education around the world 
and uh, let them know we were offering the scholarship. And um, we held an open application process open to women uh, 24 years or older who were accessing higher education um, as a, uh, for either the second time or for the first time, but with a delay because for some reason they'd had barriers or challenges. And so we were able to, in 2016, identify two amazing women and provide them scholarships. Awesome. And so uh, with that, we had a proof of concept and uh, were able to, over the next couple of years, uh, raise more funds, uh, raise awareness of this issue, which I think is a very important and exciting thing to see that people are becoming aware of this. And we are now at a place where we have, over the years, received applications from women in over 60 countries. Um, we have board members and interns um, from over 20 countries who have uh, dedicated um, an insane amount of time and energy to support this effort. And um, so that's how we got started. I, I, I love that. And, and I appreciate you for going into, into detail because there, there was a couple of questions that I was going to ask, but you went into them. And one specifically about the age, right? Because I saw that the 24 year old and I was really trying to understand what that meant. So I appreciate you going mm -hmm. into specifics about that. And you started to touch on it, but I want to I want to pick at it just a little bit more. This is a real challenge, opportunity, problem, whatever, whatever word we want to use. And, you know, how, how do you sitting in your living room one Wednesday night, maybe. Right. And say, yeah. we want to start. We want to work to tackle this. Right? Where, where do you where do you even start? Right. You, you go get the legal pad from Staples and you write down all of the goals and milestones and, and plans and ideas. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, how, how do you wrap your head around? I'm going to go out there. And, and as you said, and, and I'll paraphrase my, my old boss, make a dent in the universe here. Right. How do, and I don't know if you know who said that, but um, uh, Steve Jobs. I, I, okay. so that yeah, Steve, yeah. You know, just make that dent in the universe. And, and how, how do you start with that conversation amongst yourselves and then go out to some colleagues and peers to say, we're mm -hmm. going to start this foundation and we're going to do X, Y and Z. Why? Because it matters. Mm -hmm. uh, well, I think the first thing is one become aware of the issue and once you're aware of the issue um, you can you know, of course do research see who is addressing this if anyone is and um, then just start where you can um, with myself and my co-founders it was simply uh, we had received scholarships ourselves so we knew the impact they could have uh, we all worked in the international higher education space, so we had a good familiarity of the sector and the institutions and um, the policies and all that goes along with that. So we understood in some ways the market, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, and giving a scholarship is a relatively simple thing to do. Um, and it is something that is simple to do, but has tremendous uh, impacts emotionally and psychologically and in many, many ways symbolically. You, I, I know you've closed the, the year out, right? It's, it's mm -hmm. November already and, and scholarships haven't, aren't, aren't getting ready to be accepted for, for next year, next year and things of like that. Starting in 2016, the world was a different place than it is right now. Um, 
obviously challenges and opportunities and, and struggles. Right, when you started again, getting your 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 feet off the ground. Mm-hmm. What has the last 15, 16 months done to your activities and your efforts? Has, has it kind of stalled it? Has it just made you pivot, change focus, and, and things of that nature? Or or has there been any any change in terms of what your foundation is, is doing? Because again, you, you can work virtually, we, we can all be distributed, things of that, but just wondering just the outreach to to, to women who are looking for your, your scholarships and programs, has that changed anything? So everything has changed and nothing has changed. We are still very focused on our very singular mission, uh, which is to provide second chance scholarships to women around the world. But um, in some ways, COVID made it much harder because everyone we were working with, our board members, our interns, were each facing their own crises related Mm. to COVID. Mm -hmm. Uh, The women we had provided scholarships to for the 2019-2020 academic year all had their education stopped. Um, In some cases, uh, those who were, you know, were going to school for the 2019-2020 academic year um, had their academic year delayed by a full year, meaning that they finished spring semester 2020 in spring of 2021, which is a significant delay. but on the other hand, it's, of course, energized everyone involved. Um, I think with COVID, the world become, became much more aware of challenges and access to education, broadly speaking. Um, women and girls across the board, across the world, were impacted much more uh, dramatically and negatively by COVID. Um, there was a very clear gender differential that people became more aware of. And I, so I think the increased awareness um, and the struggles we were all going through uh, kind of united us around the need to do this work even more. Um, Got you. Just... Let, let me ask you this. And you're, you're, you live in a town right now, right? The town that mm-hmm. you live in is, is very active mm-hmm. <laughs> from, from and, and rightfully so. Does that political landscape, does, how does that fit in, right? Do, do you have to knock down walls, knock down barriers, cut through red tape, right? And just to get your message out, at being in Washington, D.C. and being in that area, uh, is that, are there more pros than cons, benefits as opposed to consequences and, th- and things of that working in such a political arena and, and area and trying to do the good work that you're doing? Overall, I think it's actually... Um, and net plus for us. Okay. Um, Washington, D.C. attracts people who are very passionate about making change, whatever mm-hmm. that change is. Um, there's a great appreciation for ed- education in mm-hmm. Washington, D.C. Um, and so I think from that perspective, it's very easy for us to find people who understand our mission, both personally and professionally, and um, can really help us run with it. Um, From a very pragmatic perspective, uh, Washington, D.C. is home to institutions like the World Bank, uh, which has focused tremendous time and resources on promoting access to education around the world. Um, And they've developed a tremendous amount of data about uh, 
the situation in um, different parts of the world and how it impacts different people. And so having that connection um, right in our backyard literally has uh, provided us access to people who both um, really understand our goal uh, intellectually, but also have a very deep um, emotional, psychological appreciation for it. And then the second way in which I think it's beneficial is that uh, we are a short bus or train right away from New York City. And that has given us the opportunity to attend events in New York City connected with the United Nations and the UN and to engage face to face with people working on these issues um, around the world. Amazing. Love it. Let's talk a little bit about the scholarships and I've got the policies and requirements on, on, on my screen and I'll put them on, on the screen for everyone to see as well. But I don't, I don't want to make assumptions. Right. And, and I want to ask, are there specific disciplines, industries, focuses of study that you um, require? I, I know you have the that, that age 24 requirement and things of that nature because of, of, of all the reasons that you meant. But can, can can any woman on anywhere on this planet who, who wants to go to that post uh, secondary schooling apply? Yes, they can. Amazing. We do not have any uh, geographic focus or uh, subject area focus. Um, one of the things we have learned over the years and that research uh, significantly, significantly supports is that uh, women, especially older women, have a very good idea of what will actually help them. And so we respect the choices they have made in which it institutions they want to attend, what degree they want to get, and what subject area they want to focus in. If they believe it is in their best interest to do this, and they can articulate to us why that is, and how it will help them and their families and their communities, uh, we respect that and uh, reward that. You know, and, and, and you're looking at the requirements right for for the application and, and to be awarded it it really kind of speaks to exactly what you said just put the effort in to go to say you want to go to school you, you don't have to have the the curved weighted 4.5 gpa you just got to go you got to show up and actually do some work w- want to learn want to study want to be better for you and yourself and go minimum of nine credit hours per semester so part-time, right? Just, but but mm-hmm. walk in the door, walk in the class and pay attention. And you know, we yes. have a scholarship that's specifically for you. I, I, I love just that level of requirement, right? Again, because mm-hmm. I think that opens the door, in my opinion, third person looking in, right? Opens the door right. for many more folks to turn in that application and, and say, you know, here is an opportunity for me as I try to better myself, better my family, better my situation. So, um, since 2016, when you started, is there is there mm-hmm. a, a a number that's publicly available that you can share in terms of how many scholarships that you mm-hmm. you've given thus far? Yes, we have awarded scholarships to nine women so far Amazing. over 15 semesters. Um, we are hoping to dramatically increase that over the coming years. I think um, the first couple of years were about us you know, really developing a proof of concept. You know, it's one thing to give out a scholarship one year, but is there a way to sustain that giving? Mm. Um, And as these women go through their programs, um, most of these are not one-year programs. So how do we continue to support them throughout the rest of their program while 
um, maintaining the ability to provide scholarships to other women, um, to continue to raise funds, et cetera. Well, i tell you what, in, in the last mm-hmm. month, since you and I have been talking, mm-hmm. I've made this one change right here in terms of, look, I buy something from Amazon every single day. I'm surprised the door hasn't rang while we're talking right now, but utilizing mm-hmm. Amazon Smile, mm-hmm. it, folks, we as the consumer, we as as, as people within industry and within the society, if this is something that resonates with you in any kind of way, very simply just change the uh, donation, the charity, charity that you're giving to when you're going out there and buying your goods and services from someone like an Amazon anyway. So I went and made the change and, you know, you got a couple of nickels coming from, from me and from the Hicks household. But again, there, there's, there are ways to make a change and way to make an impact. And there are no excuses. And I'm actually talking to the consumers and everyone listening and watching right now. Mm -hmm. Um, I will sign up as well for this, this give hero exercise for education. Hopefully my numbers will, will be, uh, will resonate and actually make it, make a difference. Uh, But uh, again, these, these types of things right here are very Mm -hmm. easy, right? In terms of what we can Mm -hmm. do, if this is a message again, that resonates with folks within the community, how can, how can I make, make a difference? How can I provide some, some, uh, some financial backing? Just change mm-hmm. the charity that you're giving to when you go out there and buy your stuff from Amazon anyway. And, and, you know, it goes to the foundation. So I, I definitely wanted to put that out there and make that mm-hmm. known. Um, what's, what's next, right? Again, you, you're now, we're now at the end of the, of the year, you're, you're probably strategizing, planning for 2022 mm-hmm. uh, as we're starting to come out of, lockdown as we're starting to, to get back out into the world and things of that nature are, mm-hmm. are there sessions boot camps workshops whatever the case would be that, that you and your organization and your foundation are doing to do more and more in terms of getting the word out right now i think our biggest focus will be on giving tuesday which is november 30th um, giving tuesday uh, was a concept developed uh, many years ago now, actually, in response to Black Friday, um, then Cyber Monday. Um, and then people realized there's this you know, whole period of consumption. What about a period of giving? So Giving Tuesday was created as a response to that. And it is the Tuesday after Thanksgiving in the United States. Um, and it is focused on giving. Um, and it has become the biggest day around the globe for uh, philanthropic, philanthropic giving. Uh, so we will be focusing on raising awareness of that. Um, but uh, just in general, to continue our mission of uh, reaching out to women who might uh, be eligible for a scholarship, um, raising awareness, raising funds, uh, bringing on new board members, interns, advisory members, supporters, um, and really just continuing to do what we do. Fantastic. There is meaning behind everything. And mm-hmm. I, I want to have you share the meaning of the name of the foundation, Asherah, because I, I don't want to assume and I don't want, I don't want to gloss over that. Right. It, it's it's mm-hmm. such an incredible thing. And I definitely want the audience to, to hear about that. So if you could go into what that actually means. Sure. So Asherah. Uh, was a female goddess, an ancient Mesopotamian female goddess. Uh, not much is known about her, but um, in general, one of the, her descriptors was she who walks on the sea, uh, meaning that this was a deity that was able to walk on water uh, as we 
One of the reasons we connected with that was because with the Syrian refugee crisis, there were all these images of um, people being forcibly displaced and set adrift on the Mediterranean, uh, Mediterranean Sea and being stuck out on the ocean and just the perilousness of that journey. And um, Syria is around where ancient Mesopotamia was. So it just seemed fitting on so many levels to um, have this female deity who was able to walk over the rough oceans of life as our kind of who we are. So that's, that's a story. Amazing. I love it. I love it. Excuse me. Let me ask you one last question and I'd be remiss if I didn't, because I'm a technologist at heart. So I got to ask yeah. a technology question, mm-hmm. your favorite piece of technology. What is it that you have that you can't live or can't do without? I would say Zoom. Zoom. Wait a minute. Hold hold on. Zoom. So now, so now we're going to change the whole focus of the conversation. Is that right? Yeah. Well, because you're on it for for hours of a day, probably. Okay. Right. We have been one hundred percent. No one has ever told me Zoom that something that they like as their favorite piece of technology. So I, I that's why you, you threw, I had to go off camera. We would not exist without. We would not exist without Zoom or technology okay. like Zoom. I love that. Okay, that's 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 pretty cool. Well, and you know, collab, cross collaboration and and a lot of the things that they've added into the platform. That that's a pretty good thing. Okay, so you you threw me for a look. Look, I, and I normally am not stumped for words, but Zoom. Uh, okay, <laughs> it it is really foundational to our existence. In all honesty, it's all good. It's all, I'm giving you a hard time just because that's what I do. Heather, I, I appreciate you. Um, I think I think above that, I appreciate what you're doing. Right, the, the foundation is, is phenomenal. I wanted to hear your story. And a, a, a colleague of, of ours told me that I needed to reach out to you. And I'm glad that I did. And I'm continuing to want to watch this journey and wanted to participate and support and help where in every way that I can. I, I, I like the fact that you have been known to, to quote Nelson Mandela. Education is the most powerful weapon which you can use to change the world. Uh, that, that resonates and that just means a lot. So uh, I want to say thank you for you. I want to say thank you for the Ashra Foundation and everything that you're continuing to to do. And tell us real quickly before we, we go where we can find you and, and the information that you're doing. Mm-hmm. I will include all of the links within the mm-hmm. show description so folks can follow as well. But I'd also want to hear it from, from you as well. Um, basic information about the Ashra Foundation is on our website. That's um, asherafoundation.com. That's A-S-H-E-R-A-H, foundation, as one word, dot org. Or you can connect with me directly on LinkedIn. Amazing. Heather, have yourself a wonderful weekend. Thank you for for taking the time. Uh, I appreciate you, like I said, appreciate everything that you're doing. You're doing some phenomenal work. And I know uh, you're just at the tip of the iceberg, right? There's so much more that's going to happen. It's going to be good for you and the foundation and and the recipients Mm -hmm. of those scholarships and what they turn out doing when they when they uh, graduate as well. So see some comments coming in. Appreciate those that are watching. I know Mm -hmm. I'm I'm seeing the metrics and I know tons of folks are watching on, on Twitter as well. They can't they can't comment on Twitter, but they're, they're, they're watching. So loving that engagement and that interaction. And everyone, please enjoy yourself. Have a great day. Take care of yourself.